everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, If Hospital Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Dawn Barlow, and I am a doctor. I work in the southwest of England. I'm a locum doctor at the moment, but I also have my own podcast, my own blog, my own YouTube channel, so I can leave them in the description down below. But today's episode is basically talking about how the NHS and hospitals are coping at the moment. For those of you who are not involved in the medical field and have read the news, you will know that it's basically a bit of a shit show, to say the least. So I think what I'm going to talk about today is how COVID has affected hospitals over the past couple of years, talking about how it all started and how it's going now, but also where what is the situation now and where are we going from here? So let's get into that. So obviously the pandemic for us started in March and March 2020 now and with that we we basically shut down like all of the hospitals shut down and to be honest I've only been working in the southwest of England which has shown some of the lowest and best rates of Covid over the whole of the country and we we do have a few big uh, cities but as a general rule most people didn't don't really fly here it's not really a go-through zone or a high traffic area so we did pretty well. Our population in the southwest is generally fairly old as well, so they were probably a bit more likely to stick to the rules, not go travelling, and stay inside, essentially. Uh, and also shield. So I started off my COVID journey in GP and I was an F2. We basically had to stay on our rotations and not not switch jobs so I stayed on GP for eight months and the G- the population in I was in Sidmouth at the time which is kind of near Exeter the population in Sidmouth is I think the average age is something like 85 it's it's very high uh, lots of people go there to retire it's a very lovely seaside town I guess you could call it but it's very elderly population um, as a result, we basically did lots of phone calls, some home visits, but as a general rule, people left us alone uh, in terms of left hospital workers alone. The hospital has never been quieter. There were beds free. I mean, I don't know when the last time before that happened, but for those of you, again, who don't know the hospital systems, there's something, there's alert systems, so either green is, yay, good, we've got loads of beds, come and go as you like. Amber is, oh, hold off there, you know, we're getting a bit full, but we're not at capacity. Red is, we're pretty much full, so if we could stop people coming in, that'd be great. And black is, oh my fucking God, we can't get people out, we can't get people in, uh, you need to divert to other hospitals. <laughs> so we have regularly been on black alert for the past, oh, I mean, it's been years, it's not well publicised, but yeah, it's been a long time. But definitely more recently, um, and being on black alert basically just amps up your ability to escalate, to get more people in and like get more staff members in, essentially. But it came to a time over the pandemic where people were so burnt out just from go literally going to work and coming home and going back to work again. 
I was like, I don't want to go into work again. You, They were literally offering bonuses, like, you know, if you come and work this weekend, then we'll pay you an extra 100 quid. And I was just like, it's not worth it. I just, I can't be asked. I'm too tired and I'm too burnt out and I don't care. Uh, and that's not a good place to go to, good, good state to go to work in, essentially. So things started off really well. Then people started getting COVID, as in not just patients, but staff members. And it went round quite quickly I haven't had it still somehow but there we go so it went round lots of wards there was lots of doctors need to stop socializing because it was shutting down the hospital and we were getting into critical incidents of not having enough staff then after people started getting their vaccinations things settled down a bit but as a result elective surgery restarted and because the waiting list was getting so long because We'd obviously held off and just had non-elective things. Elective hospitals, um, private hospitals opened as elective surgery hospitals. And that kind of took a nice pressure off hospital, like inpatients in acute hospitals. So if that's going to stop, then that's going to be a nightmare. Obviously, the Nightingale opened and basically acted like a residential home for all the old people recovering with COVID because when an old person gets COVID or gets any kind of illness, they basically suffer for quite a long time because they just take a lot longer to get get better. That's the kind of circle that we've come through, really. I mean, that was a very uh, crass overview and in no way uh, were the timescales correct, but it's a general overview of what kind of things we've... we've uh, come across over the past couple of years so what is happening now now where do I even start let's just start with the bed numbers every day we start on a probably about minus 50 bed state and what that means is there so they don't count the emergency department as a an inpatient unit so there's basically about 50 people sitting there waiting to, for a bed. So they come up to the ward, and when I say they, I mean the managers, they come up to the ward and say, who can we get out? They come up to the ward and say, who can we get out? And it's basically a... We basically have to try and discharge people and get them out of hospital. And some people are not dischargeable because they are elderly and they need care, and that's increasingly common but it's always been the case however we are uh, I'm seeing this I'm I'm stuttering because it's, it's hard to say you know because you don't want to make it seem like the NHS is is you know we're not doing a very good job we are doing the best we can but I think we probably end up sending people home maybe more quickly than we would have before in order to free up the beds for the next person and as a result sometimes people are bouncing back in and you know they're not fully healed as such um some people that's not the case and they can do their healing at home a lot of the issues uh, some not a lot some of the other issues come from the fact that GPs are really really struggling it's not even necessarily that they're not seeing patients because they are working really hard it's that people have been 
saving, for want of a better word, saving their problems or not wanting to bother the doctor for two years and now it's an accumulation of two years of problems and older people have deconditioned and if we haven't prevented things from happening then they're in a much worse state. So even if you are able to see your GP, you're in a, a probably a worse position because you've been saving up these problems or maybe even ignoring your problems. This, as a result, has a knock-on effect of if people aren't seeing their GPs, they come into hospital, like I said, in a deconditioned state, in a much worse condition and as a result, it's much harder to discharge them and they're going to need more social care and carers in the community to help look after them. I've also seen quite a few people come in, this may have happened anyway, let's put it that way, but they've come in with end-stage disease as a result of potentially not being investigated for certain things, but potentially also not seeking help because they you know they think it's small or or they've not been able to see a doctor etc etc or there have not been avenues where they can get testing or blood tests or things like that resulting in delayed presentation delayed treatments and diagnoses and surgeries as well now in terms of this this affects us significantly in the hospital and obviously the the community staff are I can't really speak for them because I don't know any of them or work with any of them but if I can only you know I have worked in the community and I know the pressures people are under there's always and that's the issue is in the NHS there's always more to do there's always more people to see so the more you get on top of it there is always more to do it's more of a slow and steady wins the race type thing with healthcare and that's the only way to keep everybody sane I think. But the thing that we're having at the moment in particular is we're get obviously we're getting a lot of pressure as junior doctors to get people out of hospital. And sometimes that's not always possible, but sometimes it's you know, we're getting a really high turnover of patients like one in one out as soon as one leaves one comes up like you know people have got their beds reserved and on top of that staffing shortages are a major issue and that's not always because we've not got enough staff but it's that we haven't got enough staff that are in hospital or in the right place so at the moment there's still a lot of shielding and and covid restrictions for high risk uh, staff members and also there's a lot of not necessarily staff sickness if you've got covid but uh, their family members might have it and that obviously impacts them being able to come in I don't know how much Brexit has had an impact on this as well but I'm sure it has I think before I started in my current uh, locum post which is on a respiratory ward they were finishing maybe two hours late every day which is horrendous our numbers of covid are still pretty static to be honest and 
I think more people in the community are getting it, but less people are needing to come in. And obviously that's really, that's um, kudos to the vaccine, uh, which is really great because I think initially we kind of, we thought of the situation being, you know, people dying like on the floor and like literally just like a war, a war zone of people just dying and not being having enough oxygen that being said actually though we did have a situation the other day where we had um so we have NIV which is non-invasive ventilation um which is basically where people get air and oxygen they wear a mask but it's pressurized so we had four people literally sitting in recess or the emergency department, which is all the beds they have. Not, they don't have four total, but four NIV beds. Yeah, we ended up having to move some of our NIV patients out of side rooms, which is very frowned upon, uh, into the bay. However, they had been COVID negative for, you know, their whole admission. So they were much less of a risk, but it was basically they were like how many um ventilator like non-invent basically BiPAP or CPAP machines do we have left and they would be like oh we've only got two left so I have no idea what happens after the ventilators run out like that is I guess quite a scary thought because then you get into a situation of what do you do do you choose somebody not to have it or do you send them to a different hospital or I don't know I guess we'll we'll find that out maybe one day unless they get some more machines. Who knows? I think having worked in other countries and I'm able to compare the care here to other countries, uh, mainly South Africa, the care there is significantly worse. And I worked in a, what you would call like a, a non-private, so would that be like a state-funded government funded hospital so I don't know what the private ones are like but basically there were you know people the beds were touching and people would just lie and die there and they had no operating it was you know no operating theatres for young people who had survivable conditions if they were in the UK things were bad there and I I think our standards are so much higher than than there um some people really don't like the nhs because they've had bad experiences but i mean what you just need to remember is that we are nice people and we do want to care for you but it's we're under so much pressure to move things quickly and if if anything inter you know time is a big pressure for us and that's not necessarily our doing that's pressure from above as a result that can make us a bit a bit more touchy uh touchy that's probably the wrong word a bit a bit less patient for any issues that come up we're basically like this is wasting time so yeah it's a big big pressure but i digress what i was saying was when I was in South Africa the standards were significantly less and we haven't yet dropped our maybe we do occasionally but we haven't yet fully dropped our standards of care in terms of just having people maybe we have actually so recently I've seen people 
in the medical receiving unit which is the equivalent to the acute medical unit type thing or like a clinical decision unit um, they basically put them on those horrible trolley beds and because there's no beds and they've basically put them in a, an assessment room which is not a proper room it's like a, an examination room and we've opened up loads of which what would have been day case units into inpatient units and yeah things <laughs> I guess that that's potentially a drop of standards but in terms of patient care you know we still always aim to deliver the same level of care but not necessarily the same quality and I think that's the important difference there. So let's talk in probably the last five or ten minutes about what is the future and I think the future is quite scary. I don't really always want to go into work because I know it's going to be horrendous. Oh it's just I feel like we're constantly and I don't mean this in a horrible way to other people or people that are doing this because I know that they're just getting the same from above but we're just constantly being like whipped like work harder faster get these people out and it's just relentless and it's only November is all I can say (laughs) so November is usually not the bad time it's usually December January although it does get nice over Christmas to be fair because nobody wants to be in hospital which is a bit strange but there we go I say a bit strange because it's funny that hospitals can be quiet when nobody wants to be here but busy when people I don't know suddenly do want to be here or like patient I'm talking about patients like they'll all clear out over over December or over Christmas so I'm like, what may, what is different that they're able to be out of here at Christmas and in here after Christmas? Is it that their families will look after them? Is it that they ignore the problems? Is it that we send them home? I don't know. I think it's probably a combo. The future is scary and I really don't know how we're going to continue. I think probably there's there's lots of money being pushed into the NHS at the moment having read recent emails from different trusts that I have or am employed with and you know millions or billions of pounds are being pushed into it including um for recruitment I'm like where do they get these extra people from like I don't understand I think people might be happier to work more if they if there was it was less intense but the problem is it's just so intense all the time that you don't want to work all the time because then you just you'd be dead anyway I had a conversation with somebody the other day that basically said we're gonna because we have quite an aging population or aged population because it's already done will our population levels decrease it will reach this equilibrium where we've the older people or the sicker people will die off because we can't look after them and the care's not good enough and there's no hospital space which means that our population will decrease but our maybe our life expectancy will decrease at the same time or will we enter into this battlefield type mentality where we basically just say walking wounded you know you're fine and basically start triaging people on are you gonna die no uh and and 
sending people home when there's no care for them at home because this is a long-term problem this I don't know if it's actually going to get better after I think after all of this because I think people think that it's COVID related but it's not like it's been like this for ages and now it's just accumulated and maybe once we get rid of a kind of backlog of it maybe it'll be better but it's yeah it's really hard and I think what we what it really comes down to is the fact that we need to focus on prevention and education but there's pretty much no scope to be able to do that because the money is all in well maybe I'm seeing it from a blinkered perspective because I work in hospital but it seems that a lot of the money is in let's when people have diabetes let's treat it well no people should not be getting diabetes that's the point so put it into education for children and adults and also better like food access to vegetables and you know just loads of things but basically prevention is better than trying to treat people when they are actually sick oh one thing I haven't mentioned actually is the fact that I talk about that battlefield mentality but essentially what's been happening I laugh because it's just I just can't believe I forgot to mention it basically what's been happening this is a regular occurrence this is not like a a new thing (laughs) um it's been happening for months but basically there are there are ambulances probably always at least 10 if not 15 or more sat outside of the emergency department with patients in them because there is nowhere for the patients to go it's not that there's no doctors to see them because we go out into the ambulances and we go and see them it's not that there is well I guess if if doctors did go and see them and deemed them not to be sick enough to be in hospital they could go home but yeah the ultimate issue is there is nowhere for them to go there are no beds there are doctors and nurses to look after them but there's nowhere for us to put them physically and as a result they sit in the ambulance outside of ED the ambulances can sit there for literally hours and I think some of the waits have been like literally 12 hours of an ambulance just sitting outside and then the the patients in ED some of them have been staying there for about two days before they get an inpatient bed now that is also having an impact on the fact that ambulances can't then go out and get sick people or sicker people and I guess I don't know I mean the thing is there are lots of suggestions that you can make you the royal you I could make let's say but none of them will be taken up because ultimately the battlefield mentality is not is not a popular one people don't want to accept that the nhs standards are slipping and that we have to slip and maybe i think personally this is my opinion but i'm not in management so i don't know i just think we need to reopen the nightingale hospitals and turn them into basically nursing homes because that is one of the issues is people don't don't need an acute hospital bed but they can't go home and they they have rehab needs so something's got something's got changed somewhere and I don't know what that is but working the hospital staff harder and faster is not always the best idea you're just gonna we're just gonna get burnt out aren't we I don't know. I think it'll take something really crazy to to change something. 
Um, and I really do feel for the hospital managers at the moment because it's really not a nice place to be in. Ultimately, I do think, well, taxes are going to have to increase, I imagine, to pay for all of this. But also, are we just... I don't know do we just pay for our own for our own healthcare now or I mean I do think the government needs to be funding more putting more money into funding for education and prevention of disease and preventing hospital admissions but there we go I'm not going to change that sitting in my uh, second bedroom (laughs) Um, but hopefully if this content gets out there and people actually hear it from the horse's mouth rather than the the news then people will understand what it's actually like you know you can watch the news but I'm not sure it really gives you a full depiction of what is actually happening and how people are feeling about it I know that people in the hospital have been feeling run into the ground for for a long time but I don't think that's getting any better. We usually have a sort of summer break where people don't come into hospital because there's less like coughs and colds and things going around. But we haven't had that. It's been constant for a year now. So, yeah, we will see where things go. But hopefully this podcast gives some kind of understanding of what it's like and some kind of education if you can... I don't know who would be listening to this, but hopefully if you're non-medical then it will give you some kind of education try and keep your family out of hospital (laughs) things aren't good at the moment and a lot of that is care so looking after our family where we can I suppose but looking after any people that you know that work in hospital um, they probably will be quite burnt out they probably will be quite tired and you may have to try and force them to do something (laughs) I said like let's go on don't you know don't choose something really crazy to go out and do like let's go out on a night out to blow off some steam just be like let's go and do something but let's go and do like a spa day or something like that something that's relaxing so a burnt out person can actually do it rather than something crazy also a spa day is great you know you can only improve from that essentially or unless you got some kind of veruca from the from the what's it called the swimming pool uh anyway i'm digressing if you are if you enjoyed or i don't know have any thoughts about what i've said then i would obviously love to hear from you so my email address is um contact at diaries of a doctor.com and i probably look at that once every couple of weeks so don't expect a quick response from me but i'll get there eventually um and if you have any other comments or things to say i do also have a blog which i put my podcast um episodes on so you could i'll leave that in the description you can click on that and go and comment down there as well if you want to leave a more public comment and get a conversation going that'd be really great um if you have any other topics you'd like me to talk about then also that'd be great and i just love connecting with the audience so yeah just anything you've got to say that would be real great to hear from you so thanks so much for listening and i'll see you in the next ep bye